Hey, what's up? Ed here. Just wanted to give you a quick note before the podcast starts that Mark did have some connection issues in the early going. He does uh, change rooms at the 27-minute mark. Before that mark, it's not unintelligible. It's it's definitely fine, but if you're really having a hard time with it, you can skip to that 27-minute period in the video, and it'll be crystal clear from there on. This is one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. It was a really excellent interview. Mark is super knowledgeable and an angel and you're definitely going to enjoy it if you listen to it so just uh, stick through it i don't want to lose any listeners because of connection issues uh but it does you know peak around that point and then it gets better from there okay so enjoy and we're we're off hello it's uh ed gallo here another episode of the wrestling for mma podcast uh if you listen to last week this will be very different than last week we had dennis bermudez on that was one of the crazier interview experiences of my life. So definitely a departure from, from the tone of that interview. Hopefully you enjoyed that. And if you didn't listen to that, I recommend it. And then the week before that, we did talk to Hudson Taylor, uh, which was awesome. And he talked a lot about uh, his nonprofit, uh, Athlete Ally. And I think we're going to get into similar territory today in terms of charity and nonprofit work. So that would be great. Uh, love to see, you know, prolific athletes who are giving back in a, ways that aren't directly related to sports, which is really cool. Uh, but yeah, if you're not listening on video, you will you won't know that our guest this week is a UFC veteran and a NCAA champion, Mark Munoz. Uh, so Mark, thank you for joining us. And we also have, uh, again, if you listen to last week, we have uh, Philippe Marchetti, uh, our French boxing and MMA genius. So hello, <laughs> hello to both of you. Hi, thank you, Head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for having me on the call. Yeah, and if, if you can't see, uh, if you're not watching the video version, Mark's got a little home office set up, and he's got uh, wrestling dummies and heavy bags and mats, and he's all ready to go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> he's all set for quarantine. No yeah. no people required. That's right. That's right. Cool. Actually, I got my son. I got my son throwing me around, man, because he's in college now. So mm-hmm. and he, weighs, he weighs about, you know, he weighs over 190 now, so he's... He's a he's a beast. <laughs> so I'm working out with him. Mm-hmm. Where is he wrestling? He's at Arizona State. Oh wow! Is this his uh, retro year technically? Yeah, this is retro year. Oh, that's gonna be awesome. So you see him yeah. slotting in at like 184, 197, that range. Uh, we'll see. He's thinking about going down to 174 right now Whoa. because um, <laughs> he got he's got upperclassmen there in front of him. Mm-hmm. But I mean one starts working out he'll get down i mean i, I like feeding him so um, <laughs> so he's, he's he's big right now and once he starts working out i'm sure he'll he'll get he'll get more leaner sure i guess uh, he valencia has probably got another year at 184 yep all right yep. so that's that'll be a tough spot to take <laughs> and then cordell, cordell north north lead is actually mm-hmm. seven so they're they're tough they're tough at 84 and 97 so for sure 74 is what he's got to get to right now to, to you know, just just to be a, a good part of the team, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think Anthony Valencia is still at 165. So that I guess that, that is the hole is 174. So you might as well try right. to slot in. That's right. That's right. Cool. Yeah. So before we get too deep on this, you know, tangential wrestling talk, let's, uh, let's get to <laughs> the structured part of the interview. So, you know, everybody who's, who's watched or read any of my interviews knows if I talk to a wrestler, I start the same way. It goes the same way every time because I think wrestling is yeah. a journey. 
and uh, it, it really makes sense to go in order when you're talking about a wrestling career. So yeah. just from, from the little research I did, uh, it seems like you got a pretty late start in the sport. So how did that happen? How did you get a start? And what were you doing beforehand that you think might have helped? Yeah. So I, um, I, I grew up playing football and I played basketball and um, not organized too much in basketball, but I played Pop Warner football since I was in third grade. So uh, I thought I was going to be a San Francisco 49er when I, <laughs> when I grew up. I had, had um, aspirations to, to become an NFL football player. Um, but then in the eighth grade, um, that's when it all changed for me. Um, in the eighth grade, I, I ended up uh, getting bullied um, for, for my shoes, uh, which were Jordans. And um, I, uh, yeah, I got bloody, battered, and beat up uh, for, for the shoes that I had on my feet. So, um, so then I, I, um, I faked being sick for about three days. And finally, my parents were like, hey, go back to school. You're not sick. And I'm like... <laughs> Dad, I, I don't want to, I, I, I'm sick, Dad, I don't want to, uh, and I was like stuttering, you know, I'm um, sick, Dad, <laughs> you know, so he's like, nope, go back to school. So um, an interesting, interesting uh, statistic is 160,000 students get bullied every day in the United States of America, 160,000, that's, that's an astronomical number, and so if mm -hmm. you do that times the number of days you're in school, it's in the millions, you know, tens of millions. So, um, so it's, it's a big part of today. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of people get bullied today, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I want to be able to bring awareness to that, you know? Mm -hmm. so, um, so anyways, on with my story. So I got bullied and then, um, I, uh, I faked being sick. I didn't want to go to school. And then my, my dad said, go back to school. So I, I went to school. And, and when I went to school, I, um, I didn't want to look anybody in the eye. I was, I was walking and looking down because if I felt like um, if I saw somebody, they saw me. And so I, I didn't want to be seen. I wanted to be invisible at the time, right? And so um, during lunch period, which, you know, we tend to have a break for lunch period, mm -hmm. um, about 20 minutes I went up to a classroom and you know a couple of my buddies were there and they were like hey man Munoz man where where them jays at where them jays at man and I'm like oh man I didn't feel like wearing them today man because I didn't want to tell them I, I wanted I, I wanted to suppress that memory into my I guess into myself as much as possible and, and forget about it you know but um, but he kept asking kept asking and just kept being irritating and I just had this like overwhelming emotion of anger in me. <laughs> and it was just welling up. And finally I stood up from the desk and I clenched my fists at him. And I was like, hey, I didn't feel like wearing my Jason, man. Chill out, you know? And so, and he was like, whoa, calm down, Munoz, man. All I want to know where your Jason were at, man. Chill out, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then from there I told him the story. And um, he was like, Oh man, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't know. And uh, and then he put his arm around me. He says, "I got your back." And I was like, "No, nah, you ain't got my back, man. Shoot, you're not gonna be there, 24 and seven, dude. Like, mm -hmm. you're not gonna have my back all all day, every day." And he's he's like, 
turns turns away and he looks up at me and he goes, Hey, you need to you need to learn how to wrestle. I go, Wrestle? Nah man, you guys were tight lead tards and tuck each other in funny places, man. I'm cool with that. Right? And he goes, What? You think that's funny? I go, nah, man. That's just what you do, homie. I'm good. I'm good, man. He goes, I bet you I could take you down in ten seconds. I said, Yeah, right. You're barely five foot nothing and a hundred pounds, and I'm five foot six, hundred and fifty pounds. No way you can take me down, right? So, anyways, we go into the hallway from that classroom, and um, I break down in my stance, and I'm wiggling my fingers like I'm gonna do magic or something. I'm like. What's up, homie? What you got? What you got, right? He shoots in, two seconds flat, picks me up in a double leg, slams me on my back. And I've been wearing a tie ever since, right? <laughs> but it's not called leotard, right? It's not called leotard, it's called singlet. Mm-hmm. I clear that up. Because uh, I, I mean, I was ignorant and I didn't know. But now I've been wearing a singlet ever since then. Uh-huh. I went to the first day of practice, and I was like, "Man, uh, I love. Uh, I need to. I need to learn this, right?" And so, but before that, before that, I went up to my dad, and I said, "Dad, what do you think about me? Me wrestling?" Um, he goes, "Okay, yeah, you wrestle. You wrestle the first day and the last day, and every day in between." I'll go for sure, for sure, right? And for those of you, for for those of you that are on this podcast, how many of you guys remember your first day of practice? Was it good yes, or was it bad? <laughs> you know. So for me, this is how it went. Um, we went in and they showed us stance, uh, stagger stance. Um, they showed us a square stance. They showed us a penetration step, and then they showed us how to shoot a double leg on something. And then we were shooting the double leg. And we got to drill that for about maybe 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, all right, guys, it's time to go situations, live situations. And I'm like, hey, live situations? Uh, I mean, what's – they're like, yeah, it's time to go live. I said, yeah, but I am alive. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, you're going to go 100% on each other. I'll put you in a double-edged list so you guys go live. I go, Oh, okay. I get it. I get it. All right. So, so then um, I get a partner about my size, and and uh, he gets in on a double leg. And in my mind, I'm like, wait, how do I? Defend? They didn't. They didn't show the defense to this. Uh-huh. You know. <laughs> so, anyways, he starts picking me up and slamming me, and then I'm trying to get up. He cross faces me, and I end up getting a bloody nose or a bloody lip. Uh-huh. And then uh, I'm trying to get up. He slams me back to the mat like Matt returns me. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not what I thought it was going to be, right? This is my first day. My first day. Um, and I don't know what they were doing wrestling the first day, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to go back, you know? And so the next the next day, my dad was like, my dad came home early, coincidentally, coincidentally, came home early, looks at his watch, says, hey, Mark. It's a three thirty. How come you're not? How come in practice? I go, uh, Dad. Uh, um, uh, I don't feel like wrestling anymore. He goes, What? <laughs> by the arm, 
just marches to the car, opens the door, throws me in the car, drives to the school, presents me in front of the coach and says, hey, Coach Minahan, Mark Munoz is here. See you later. And just walked out. <laughs> I'm like, no, Dad. Gosh, dang it. Like, I was like, oh, man, this sucks. You know? And then Minahan is like, hey, Munoz, get in there. Get a partner. I'm like, oh, shoot. You know? So we're getting a partner. And, and long story short, it was hard. It mm-hmm. was hard for me. Like, I, I didn't want to stick with it. And then um, my friends actually actually helped me out a lot they helped me out they um you know we we actually went to a middle school or junior high at the time what was called the junior high and mm-hmm. five miles away from the school and so we had to hit hit to ride and so they're like hey mark you coming you coming you coming and so i didn't feel like i don't want to let them down you know and so i was like oh, okay I'll, I'll come you know nice. so i would just go with them and then by the end of the year i was going with all the upperclassmen i was going with the juniors and the seniors in varsity and I was in eighth grade. So, uh, and then by the end of my high school career, I was a two-time state champion, high school national champ. I take second at Junior Worlds, mm-hmm. and um, I uh, ended up getting a full-ride scholarship to Oklahoma State University. So right. that's into it, man, and kind of how it led me up to uh, to college. During that that time when you're progressing, you know, from not knowing what you're doing, starting out not really enjoying it, to becoming a champion, a two-time champion in probably top three toughest states to place at in the country, California, because it's just the one-state class system, so it's one-state tournament. Yeah. Um, wh- what do you think were the were the keys to your success in high school? Like, how did you j- make that jump so quickly? Because you're competing with guys who started when they were six years old, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I started when I was 13, and so... Mm-hmm. Um, what was difficult for me was not understanding uh, what was being done to me because mm-hmm. there's techniques in wrestling. Like you can't just fight. There's like, there's nothing you can do if people know how to use their locks, their holds, their leverages, their tie-ups. Their, their, there's, there's nothing you can do because you don't know how to hold something. You don't know how to grip something. You don't know how to position your body or your head to be able to uh, defend, you know, and so you got to know all those things, you know, and so, um, and so as I started, as I started learning technique and I started asking questions about, um, about, uh, coach, I, I got scored on from here. How do I stop that? And then he taught me like step by step, like what to do. And then, mm-hmm. and then slowly, but surely I started defending Then I started scoring and I started noticing like, oh, wow. You know, this is, there's, there's actual technique that's involved in learning something, you know? So, um, so there was a lot of failure. There's a lot of failure. There was a lot of struggle, but I always tell all my wrestlers and I coach, I coach a lot of wrestlers and a lot of fighters. I say, you know, you gotta, you gotta embrace the struggle, but not only embrace the struggle and try to get through it, but you gotta understand what's, what's holding you back. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got to understand why you didn't score in a certain situation so you can make it better, you know. So, um, so failure is going to happen. I don't want you not shooting. I don't want you not attacking. I don't want you to um, just feel like you have to be defensive the whole time because I want you to be offensive too. Mm-hmm. You know, I want you to learn how to score from every position and not just being defensive. So, 
you know, so I make people shoot. I make people attack. I make people um, get a tie up and move their feet. And I do all of that stuff. So um, me, like the improvement came from understanding why the people, those four, those four things, four questions you want to ask. The what you're doing, why do you, the, the when to do it, the how it works, and the why it works. Right. Those are four things that you need to understand of the technique you're being shown. Because mm-hmm. once you do that, then you understand the ins and outs of the move, and so you're going to hit it. You're going to be more happy to hit it rather than doing what the coach says for you to do. You know, mm-hmm. you don't understand it. You know? So <clears throat> you got to know the what, the how, the when, and the why in order to for it to be yours. Makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So that's, that's what that's what kind of I had a pull to me because I hated losing, man. Like I I didn't I didn't want to lose. I didn't. Um, I just I made sure that I, I tried my hardest every time. And when I was going with a senior, when I was an eighth grader, he was like, "Man, I don't want to go with that kid next year. That kid is gonna be tough, you know." So I was like, I'm "Getting somewhere because I noticed, like, I was." touch somebody's leg and then they would sprawl me get around me, and then cross face me again i'm like dang it then i get around it they sprawl me and they sprawl me then all of a sudden i'm like picking it up but they defend it you know so i, I was progressing but mm-hmm. that i wasn't yet but then in that progression in that stroke i was able to get a lot tougher and um and that's how it happened man and and um that that grit that determination as well helps that aggression helps as well um, because you can't you can't tuck your tail in between your legs and just walk away, right? You mm-hmm. gotta wrestle. You gotta wrestle. So that's that's how that's what happened for me. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. And like you're you're definitely appealing to us and our audience right now because I think uh, our our audience is full of elitists. You know, what I mean, like we're all like technique snobs, and we always prefer almost always prefer the guys who like seem to have like a, a deeper knowledge of the sport they're competing in than, than other guys. And my hypothesis right now is that maybe starting later in a sport can sometimes give you the push to be more of a technician and be and approach it more academically because you had to catch up, you know what I mean? So you had to like study, study, study and yep. constantly be getting better. Um, right. So you, you end up in the Oklahoma state room. I, I believe John Smith's coaching there at the time uh, as yeah. head coach at that point. Um, you're working out with guys like Daniel Cormier and uh, I think Mo Laval might have been there around that time. Uh, oh, I, this, uh, I, recruit, I recruited Mo. You recruited Mo. That's there's awesome. A lot of stories that I got, bro. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stories I got at Oklahoma State. So, uh-huh. but yeah, I, I, I mean, I got there. There was Pat Smith for the 1996 Olympics. There was uh, Mark Branch, Eric Guerrero, Teague Moore. There was uh, Smith. Um, there was um, Hardell Moore. I mean, these these are guys. Uh, Jamel Kelly. It's ridiculous. Um, was a <laughs> there was a Reggie Wright, who was a three-time All-American. There was, I mean, national champs, All-American, World Team members, Olympic champions, man, you name it. They're on that team. So it's no surprise that you got a lot better. <laughs> You're working out with super, super tough guys every day. I got two. So here's one, right? I'm, I'm I 
get recruited. I'm from state, and um, <laughs> you know, I uh, I get off so off my plane, and I'm like, I'm going to school, right? Like, uh, dude, I'm just, I'm sad because I'm leaving home for the first time, right? So I'm like bawling on the airplane, like mm-hmm. <laughs> leaving home, right? Next thing you know, I get off the plane and then I see a cowboy, and I'm from, I'm from California, you know. Right. I, I've never seen a live cowboy in my whole life, you know. I see a cowboy with a cow, I see a cowboy, a guy in a cowboy hat. Wrangler jeans, a big belt buckle, <laughs> cowboy boots, and a flannel shirt. And I'm like, wow, that's a real cowboy. That's crazy. And he has my name on on a sign in or Munoz. And I'm like, oh. So I go up to him. I say, hey, sir, I'm Marlon. He goes, huh? Got this. He's got this bottle and he's spitting in it. It's about half full. <laughs> and he's <laughs> he's got a big old big old bump on the side of his cheek. He's like, huh, you Mark Munoz, huh? Mark Munoz, you mind me asking, huh? You top Mexican? I said, Mexican? I thought there's only one type. <laughs> oh my gosh, right? It's crazy. So right when I get off the airplane, it was like, I see that. And he asked me that. I was like, oh man, I don't know how this is going to be. Then he goes, I'm fixing to take you to water coach smith ready to go I go, oh, okay let's go right <laughs> so I drive and it's like i'm listening to this playing music country music right i'm like oh wow never listened to country right so anyways i get to oklahoma state and i meet coach john i'm like yeah man that's the guy on how low can you go videotapes when i was injured and i got a better mm-hmm. out because i went from i went from being a because uh, I made a Greco World team as a sophomore after yeah. two years of wrestling. I made a Greco World team. I had a killer headlock. And um, and I'm getting to clinch. So I made a World team as a, a sophomore. And then I got injured. And then someone gave a video cassette tape, like a VHS. For all you guys that don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> I video cassettes. I went into these. Anyways. Um, I went to uh, uh, watch that. I became, and I started shooting high crotches and little single legs. Um, so that's what helped me become who I was as a, as a wrestler. Nice. Uh, and, uh, and so I met, like, oh man, that's a two time Olympic champion, six time world champion, mm-hmm. best American wrestler in history. I'm like, that's a freaking coach. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. You know? So, anyways, um, I was there and then it was hard. Like my first was Pat Smith, and he kicked my butt. Wow! Like freaking <laughs> like he's the first time NCAA national champ. Mm-hmm. I'm a friend. Oh, <laughs> every day uh, was bad. And then I had, you know, Hard Moore, who was a starting one fifty eight pounder. It was just. It was like partner after partner on the game with them. But yeah, like you said, and you know, um, with parts like that, I can't, I can't help you better. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, just kind of jumping into your, your first year as a starter there, 
you make the NCAA tournament and you're seated. You got the 11th seed in your first appearance. It's pretty solid. I had a, a quick question. In your first match, you beat a man named Brian Bowles. Yeah. This is 177 pounds. This is not the same Brian Bowles that fought at 135 in the WC, is it? No, it's different. I tried to it's figure different. that out and I couldn't find anything. I'm like, there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> different Brian Bowles. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't lose over 40 pounds. Yeah, that'd be insane. <laughs> like he must have been yeah. wrestling his weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's funny. That's yeah, I mean, I, I, I make, I make it. I'm, you know, year 177. That was the weight class. So mm-hmm. After my, after my sophomore year, or during my sophomore weight classes, but, I mean, I was weighing, I was weighing 200 pounds. Wow. Like 177. So I mean, I was. And that was a time where you could uh, you could wait, and then a day later you'll wrestle. So it's the day before weigh-ins. Mm-hmm. So people plastics and cut weight, you know. And so um, I was never losing weight ever. I mean, not like they did because after a two-hour on the plastic on a bike and go five well. After practice, dude, wrestling the likes of like national champions, all Americans, like you get tired, right? Right. You have to put on this, you know, rubber suit so you can be sweating the whole time for for about an hour after you get done. You know, like, dude, it's crazy. You know, and there's mm-hmm. these guys, part of more, part um, uh, more. God bless his soul. I. Uh, he goes, hey, Williams, just look up like this and pedal. You'll be fine, man. You'll be fine. <laughs> I looked up, pedaled. I'm like, bro, this don't work. You know, I'm like, this don't work, man. He was just, he was just trying to make me think something, think of something different, right? Mm-hmm. But anyways, I end up, I end up losing weight after the first day of the national tournament. I was 11 pounds over. Oh my god. Make weight again, <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, so I was 11 seed, but like the second day, man, I was like done because, I mean, it was I had to lose too much weight the night before. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you, I mean, you had a tough bracket as well. Uh, Greg Jones's brother, Avertis Jones, who was a, a three-time yeah. AA. He was in, on the front side for you, and on the back side, you had a, you yep. know, the guy that took six, Javon Herman. So it, it was tough, and I think your bracket next year was even tougher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I didn't all work in that year. I was, I was. Uh, I was ranked top eight that year too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and shoot, I was cutting a lot of weight then too. <laughs> yeah, you moved out to one eighty four, right? Yeah, well, one seventy seven become one eighty four. Mm-hmm. So, um, because the weight classes were were one eighteen, one twenty, uh, it was a one twenty six, one thirty, one thirty. 42, 150, 158, mm-hmm. 177, 190 in heavyweight, right? So they changed it. The very next year, they changed it and gave about seven or eight pounds for every weight class. Gotcha. So then it became 125, 133, 141, 149, 157. You know, you know, now, you know. So um, that was that year, that year when we transitioned from those weight classes. So, frozen it. 
Hello. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You're good. Okay. Yeah. So uh, jumping into sophomore year, uh, ranked seven, seventh seed this time coming in, little little higher yeah. seed, uh, projected to all American. Uh, you got Kale Sanderson in this bracket, uh, Brandon Egham in this bracket, current Minnesota head coach, Virtus Jones again, Brad Veering, future future NCAA champion, and uh, in the blood round you had to wrestle Andy Rovet. Uh, three-time All-American and a future Olympian, uh, so <laughs> that that was uh, a a lot tougher than than your first uh, trip to NCAA's, but you you definitely improved uh, there. But uh, it it really turns around in your junior year at, at NCAA's. You're the number one seed at 197 pounds now, a little closer to your natural weight. It sounds like, um, yeah. You know, you majored your first match. Uh, you went with tiebreakers with uh, Ross, Ross Thatcher, who ended up being pretty solid after college. Um, but then you're, you're upset in the semis, uh, and you have to, you know, wrestle back to win third. So what, in your mind, what, what kind of happened there? What do you remember from that tournament at junior year? Well, I go into number one seed. I beat Brad Varing, who won it that year, four times that year. Mm-hmm. Brad didn't beat. Um, I had issues and we went, we went back and forth with Zach Thompson. Um, mm-hmm. Zach Thompson was a guy and I, I always had trouble with guys that were like, shorter that were stockier and super strong right and that, that was zach thompson you know and uh, and he pretty much stayed in good position and would like not shoot and pretty much like just you know push me back would be like sumo wrestling i'm like man dang it like it was hard for me to like kind of figure him out you know um and uh, and I lost him in the semis, so, and then I was just heartbroken. I was like, "Oh my gosh, dude, dude, it's gonna be him and Brad Baring, and Brad Baring's gonna win the national championship." You know, mm-hmm. uh, Brad didn't beat me that whole time that year. So, so <laughs> yeah, I was so upset, man. I was like, "Golly, man, this stinks," you know. Anyways, um, that's that's what happened, and and. Um, yeah, Ross Thatcher was the same way. He was a he was like a Greco guy and um, super strong and underhook like to underhook and push people back, you know. So um, that was the type of wrestler I had trouble with. But I ended up pulling him, pulling out that that match. Um, mm-hmm. That was the first time I wrestled him. So, um, but he was he was super tough mm-hmm. for me. But uh, but yeah, so um, that's that's. Uh, yeah, that and then I came back to take third, and um, I beat uh, Mushasvili from Michigan State. Um, Georgian, was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was awesome. He was a great wrestler. He was a senior that year. So, uh, but I mean, yeah, my junior year was depressing for me. It mm-hmm. was because I felt like I could have won it that year. For sure. And then, like, it's all—it's great that you win it as a senior. It's just the way it plays out is so interesting because you're number one seed again. Um, and you major uh, Nick Fiquette. I think it's pronounced. He ends up being a, 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 a um, MMA fighter as well. Uh, yep. Get a tech. He beat uh, Nick Preston, who was super tough for Ohio State. Yeah. Close match with him. Beat uh, Owen Elson, another multiple-time All-American. Yep. And uh, on the other side of the bracket, you had Brad Veering again, number two seed. And then uh, Veering gets upset by this guy, Pat Quirk. Uh, yeah. The seven seed, so <laughs> he ends yeah. up uh, going to the finals. Uh, so the two seed ends up taking seventh, and the seven seed ends up going to the finals and taking second. And you have a five-three match with this guy who is 
you know, projected to be a seventh place here. So just what do you remember from that tournament? I'm sure that was a, you know, happy, happy moment, but, you know, almost disappointing because you, you beat Veering so many times. And it would be nice to have, like, that name win at NCAAs. Yeah. You know, um, earlier in my career, though, Brad would kick my butt. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, started figuring him out a little bit more. And, and um, towards the end of my career, I was, you know, coming along. But Brad, dude, Brad was nails. Brad is, you know, what's cool about Brad is um, it was an amazing wrestler on the map. But, dude, awesome person. Awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's amazing. But, um, but I started to, uh, you know, get a lot more offense offense going on um, when I started wrestling him. So, but in that tournament, man, I mean, it was, it was, uh, like you said, that, that lineup of wrestlers that I had too. Yeah. I mean, it was going through the gauntlet, you know, um, of, of wrestlers, you know? So, oh, and Ellison, I was able to um, go with, go with him and, and do really well just because mm-hmm. of the style matchup, you know? Um, Nick Preston was another one of those guys that likes to underhook and push people forward, sumo wrestle, you know. So I had had um, you know tough, tough, uh, a tough go with him. But then, um, yeah, I end up, I end up, um, you know, doing doing well, going to the finals and and being Pat Quirk. You know, Pat Quirk is one of those you know sumo wrestler guys. But you know, mm-hmm. I knew that if I scored on him early, that he couldn't. He couldn't score on me later on in the match. Gotcha. All he all he could do was underhook and score mm-hmm. from the end. So so I was like, I got two takedowns and I'm like and he's a very defensive wrestler. So I didn't want to put myself in a position where he'd score on me. Gotcha. So I scored on him two takedowns in the first period. It's like this dude's not That's scoring on ever. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, I'm good, you know. So mm-hmm. so I, I mean I, I pretty much was just like uh um, uh, not coasting, but like wrestling and just yeah. just moving feet and and doing all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, that that's how it went. And then, and then I won, I won in the finals, and and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. To get it done, yeah. And you're you're the caliber of guy that you know people could consider a multiple multiple time NCAA champ. So it's like a huge like what's you know what's mark going to do after college and uh, i know freestyle and greco I, I guess could have been options for you just based on your background uh so how, how did that progress from going from from college to mma was there a, a big in between where you were thinking about you know trying trying an olympic run world championship yeah, run I, I mean i i did i did try out for the olympics um and um i made a national team four times um but obviously you know, Cormier made made a, a world Olympic team. So, and he was my teammate. Right. <laughs> uh, we had to wrestle each other, and he beat me. So, um, you know, Cormier, Cormier, um, he was the best man for the job. You know, so um, that was the time where I um, I got married. I got married, and I started having kids, and so it was hard for me to leave um, home be able to go to Olympic training center. So Cormier Cormier was getting a lot better. And I was, you know, I was at home trying to train with college guys and he was training with all the world team members and, and, um, wrestling freestyle and, and, um, 
for me it was uh that that wasn't the case but um but hey i mean um i ended up doing that for about um, a year and a half and then um i ended up going to uh accepting a job at uh, uc davis and mm-hmm. back to california where where i met uriah faber you know so and uh that year when i was when i went to um when I went to Davis, it was 2003. So um, I was still wrestling, you know, um, I still was part of the national team. And um, in 2004, it was Athens, you know. So And so I was, uh, I wrestled and, you know, to top five at the U.S. Nationals. Nice. Um, and uh, made it to the Olympic trials. And, and then I was training and, and um, you know, I wanted to bring Uriah along with me. And so Uriah, Uriah Faber just graduated that year was coaching with me. And so I, I brought him to like different tournaments around the nation. And, uh, he, he was like, uh, you know, wanting to, wanting to wrestle as well. So, um, so Uriah, after one of the tournaments says, Hey Mark, you need to learn how to fight. And I'm like, I don't know what it is about me meeting shorter people telling me what to do. <laughs> but, but he was like, yeah, man, there's this new sport called MMA, mixed martial arts, and I think you'd be really good at it. I'm like, ah, I don't know, man. I'm teaching, coaching, getting my master's, and one more thing I want to play, man, I, I, I don't think I can handle. You know, I got a mm-hmm. wife and three kids at the time and one on the way. I'm like, dude, there's too much, you know? And he goes, man, you'll make a lot of money. You know, I'm like, ah, you know, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I can do it, you know, because... I got a lot on my plate. Anyways, he stayed on me, and he stayed on me for, I'd say, two or three years. I mean, he stayed on me for a long time. And he was like, I want you to come to the gym and just learn, you know, just learn different things. You know, do jiu-jitsu, you know, and I learned jiu-jitsu, and then I learned some, you know, striking with some Muay Thai, and then I learned some, um, and then I learned some uh, you know, boxing along with him over there. And I was training at the same time at a gym called Fairtex. Paratex, uh, mm-hmm. San Francisco, and um, you know Jake Shields. Um, gotcha. There was um, you know, the, the whole uh, scrap pack. pack. You know? Yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> the pack. You know, Kilbert uh, Melendez, um, Nick and Nate Diaz. They were all there training. You know, and so um, so I trained with them for for the first first part of my career as well. You know, a uh, couple days a week. So. Um, you know, Gunya Fairtex was my Muay Thai coach in the beginning, and he was an unbelievable coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Johnson and Fairtex was over there too, and and he was he would hold uh, mitts and pads as well. Those guys are just amazing, uh, yeah. Fairtex, the Fairtex guys. Um, so um, uh, to them, you know, because they they really helped me in the beginning, and then um, I learned different things and. And then I started putting putting them together, and then Uriah brought in uh, the crews of the UFC: uh, Andy Couture, Brandon Vera, Quinn Rampage Jackson, Tito wow. Ortiz, wow. Uh, Frank James Irvin, Scott Smith. Like, it was amazing camp. And um, and uh, Randy Couture was getting ready to fight Tim Sylvia, um, I believe Tim Sylvia for um, to defend his belt. You know, and so I'm like, dude. These guys are amazing. And Uriah asked me to come. And I was like, yeah, I'll come. You know, so 
um, it was it actually happened to be sparring day, and I'm like, ooh, dude, sparring. Like I'm I'm getting ready I'm getting ready to fade away in the shadows and like kick mm-hmm. my feet up and popcorn and soda and watch it, right? <laughs> and it's, uh Uriah comes with a pair of gloves, a pair of shin guards and a headgear and he goes, Hey bro, can you do me a favor? I'm like, Heck no. I ain't gonna walk <laughs> in there with these killers. These these are these are killers, man. He goes, No man, you'll be fine, dude. All you gotta do is double jab, double leg, you'll be fine. I'm like, double jab, what am I gonna do? Like Close my eyes and do that. I could double leg all day, but like, man, they're gonna, they're gonna kick and punch and punch me in the face. Like, I don't know if I can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Anyways, my first, everyone gets a partner, and then the one partner that the one guy that didn't have a partner was Randy Couture, <laughs> and he's like, and I end up partnering up with him, and then you know, you rise like, hey, just think about jab, get your jab off, right? Jab off, get your get your shot in. So I was like, okay. Anyways, I'm like jabbing him and I'm like surprising myself. I'm like, ooh, dude, I'm jabbing. I'm landing my jabs and I'm like snapping his head back. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. I'm actually jabbing, jabbing him. And then classic Randy Couture gets the clinch, started dirty boxing me, put sweeps me to my back. And, and I'm scrambling. I grab his leg. And I mean, it was a scramble, you know. And, I, and there was one time where I grabbed both his legs. Like, ooh. And I'm like, and I have a really firm grip on the double leg. I'm like, dude. I'm taking this dude down. So <laughs> I took him down, and I'm, and I'm like ground and pounding, like raining punches from the heavens, like straight up Donkey Kong in him, right? And he's like, hey, 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 we don't go 100% in practice, man. I got to defend my belt in, in two weeks. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry, right? And then uh, I lighten it up, and he gets up, underhooks me, puts me to my back, and like, and I'm like, wait, I thought we weren't supposed to do this, man. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyways, I had a time in my life, and he's like, "Man, you got, you got really good potential to to do really well in this sport. You should really consider doing it." And then your eyes like comes up to me. I told you, man. He like hits me in the chest. He goes, "I told you, man." So that's when I started training, and and about uh, just a little over a year, I got into the UFC because mm-hmm. I fought in the local circuit. I I, I skipped amateur altogether, and I went pro. I fought pro. I fought pro three times in kind of the local circuits mm-hmm. uh, and uh, fought PFC, which is Palace Fighting Championships. And I fought um, a King in the Cage or Gladiator Challenge, uh, my second fight. And then I fought PFC again. And then I got called up to the WEC. I fought twice in the WEC and the WEC got bought off by the UFC. I was one of those select few that actually came to the UFC from the WEC. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was like super fast. Like I ended up getting into the UFC after after about a year of training. <clears throat> so um, yeah, so that's that's what happened. And uh, yeah. I was in the UFC for sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's nice coming up as a pro in California because there's so many organizations that you can get experience in. Uh, yeah. My my final question before I transition to to Philippe. Uh, it was a pretty high concept question. Uh, there's a lot that could go into this, but you already kind of touched on it with that first sparring session with Randy Couture that, you know, to set up your shots, you were jabbing. Uh, yeah. and, and whether you realize it at the time or not, you know, jabbing to set up your shots is great because one, you can, you know, get closer and two, it usually yeah. encourages them to throw back at you and then you have a window to their legs. So right. as far as, you know, wrestling, applying your wrestling to mixed martial arts goes, in the beginning, you know, how... How are you finding it with like 
your typical wrestling style, what was working, what wasn't working. And then by the time you reach what you would consider the peak of your career, you know, what had changed, what became your, your wrestling setups for MMA? You know, how did you find your best attacks again, you know, once you figured out the rest of the game? Yeah, in the beginning, <clears throat> I had trouble, like, um, uh, what it was, like, combining them together. Mm-hmm. You know? Transitioning, transitioning from uh, striking to wrestling. I had trouble with that because in the beginning, it was, like, all just separate. It was striking and then pause, then wrestling, you know? Mm-hmm. Would jab, jab, and then pause, and then shoot. Instead of, like, jab, jab, and then, and then like, even if he tries to strike, you know, ducking under the strike and looking for the double leg, you know, it wasn't that. It was just like, all right, F it, I'm just shooting, you know, or I'm just overhand right to a shot, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty much how it was in the beginning. And then as I started getting um, better, I started like setting up my attacks with strikes, you know, and so as I started getting better in my striking, you know, I started like, you know, transitioning between striking and wrestling a whole lot more seamlessly, you know, so um, double double jab to the to the double leg, you know, or um, or, you know, one, two, three to a double or, you know, one, two to a high crotch, you know, different stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. so um, those are the type of things that, that I end up getting towards the end of my career. Um, and uh, no one actually showed me any of that stuff. It was like all of that <laughs> had to come you know on my own you know mm-hmm. no one teaching striking the wrestling to me you know it was just everything just came on my own really you know right so um so yeah towards the end of my career i was able to put a lot of those things together mm-hmm. yeah, that's a sorry one follow-up just uh that's kind of like the the topic that i cover the most like with my writing and the podcasting and everything is like is is those transitions because it's like kind of a an emerging art and you have yeah. so, so many amazing wrestlers in MMA in the UFC. Yeah. And what I do is I look at how are they getting takedowns and how many of them seem to have a system for how they get their takedowns and how many of them are just fighting and they're learning yep. how to fight. And then they say, oh, I can wrestle right now. And then they go do it. And how yep. many of them have you know a plan? And it's so helpful yeah. to have a plan. So oh. I guess, uh, do you see that emerging with, with coaching? Do you see coaches teaching this now? I, I teach systems all the time. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I do. And um, I call them series. Um, I have a striking and takedown series that I do um, on both sides, whether it's southpaw or orthodox. Um, and um, I call them the one, one, punch, one, punch, one punch takedown series. So, right, after your, after your right hand, after your, like, if you're, if you're orthodox, after your right hand, and they're an orthodox fighter as well. You could roll into your high crotch, or you can roll into your um, your double. There's mm-hmm. um, southpaw. You can you can take your head to the outside for a double, or you can put your head to the inside, head to the chest, single. You know, so there's different different ways, and definitely it's, there's footwork involved in it. You know, because you can't just you know throw mm-hmm. without moving your feet. You got to move your yeah. hands feet you know and engage your distance you know so um and um you know i teach i teach that series and i also teach my ground and pound series too you know um i was able to um you know do pretty well with my ground and pound you know so um people people just call me donkey kong it looked like i was donkey kong on top and so Mm -hmm. um 
I played the Donkey Kongas a lot when I was in MMA, you know? So, um, so yeah, for me, like it was, um, learning, learning how to do that and, uh, freeing up my hands to be able to punch and using my hips as pressure on them mm -hmm. as a, as a pivot point to, to throw my punches, you know? Cause I didn't want to like hold and punch at the same time. Cause that's impossible. You can't do that. That's why you see a lot of, a lot of guys not putting a lot of pressure in their ground pound because they're not, they're not engaging their hips to be able to uh, free their arms so that they can rain down power punches on the ground. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's the type of stuff that I show in different positions. Um, and, um, you know, and I have a series from there as well. You know, if he does this, you can do that. And, and um, you know, these are the things that I teach a lot of the guys I coach right now. Um, and they love it, you know, and they find they find a lot of success in it. So systems is the way, the way to go, man. You got to mm -hmm. have, got to know what to do, when to do it, how it works, why it works. You know, you got to be able to know on uh, transition seamlessly through different things. When, when opponent defends, you mm -hmm. got to know that stuff. Um, sure. If you don't, if you don't, then you're going to be left behind. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of other people that are going to be very well equipped with a lot of great technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is all music to my ears. So people ask yeah. me a lot because I'm like, I write all these articles. So people are like, oh, like you, you, you offered this criticism and you like point these things out. Like, you know, where do you think wrestlers should be training? Like, who should they be learning from? And now I can say, you know, Mark Munoz has has the right idea. This guy is is the man to man to go to. So I'll, I'll send that, people man. to you, uh, hey, Philippe. Uh, this this has been awesome, but I want to pass it off to to Philippe because I've taken up a lot of time and you know, right. definitely gotten my my fill for sure. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Awesome, man. Thanks. Mm -hmm. No worries. What's up, what's up, Philippe? Yeah, what's up, Mark? How are you? I wanted to add something that you didn't say is that at some point in your career, your striking became better and more dangerous, that people yeah. actually shoot on you. And yeah. from that sport position, you also created like a great uh, development of one and pound, we can call like, for example, when you're in the front end lock and you spoil, you get to the body or even to the legs of your opponent. How did you develop yeah. this? Um, you know, I noticed that, um, that in practice, because I used to own a gym called rain training center and in rain yeah. and in rain, there was, there was amazing fighters, you know, Mo King, Mo the wall trained with me. Um, there was, um, dude, there were so many people. I mean, I'm drawing a blank as to who trained with me, but, uh, <laughs> there were so many guys that trained with me in the UFC and in, um, you know, in Asia, one FC and, um, there was, there's so many good guys. Um, uh, so anyways, um, I, I had great training partners, you know, so uh, I noticed that in my ground and pound, I had to, I had to switch it up and not just go for the face, but go for the body, go for the legs, go for the, go for the hips, you know, just whatever I can punch. It was kind of like playing the game. At Chucky e., at Chuck e. Cheese, there's there's this game called Whack-A-Mole, and uh, you have these paddles in your hands, and you're standing up, and every time a mole comes up, you gotta whack it. You gotta mm -hmm. whack. It. I gotta whack that mole. So whenever I take somebody down, and I'm on, and I'm and I'm ground and pound, I'm playing I'm playing Whack-A-Mole when I'm on top. You know, wherever there's an open spot, I'm punching it and punching it as hard as I can. You know, so. Um, that's pretty much how it went. And and if they were blocking their body, I'd fake the body, boom, go over the top of the head. And then if they're blocking, if they're in on the single leg, the 
obviously I can't punch the face, so I'm hitting the legs, you know, so I'm just dismantling them, you know, as, you know, and then when they get back to their feet, they can't walk too, too well, you know, or being yeah. standing too well. So that's, that's where I developed it. You know, I developed it and because you get, you get head happy, you know, when, when you try to, you try to finish the fight, you get head happy, but you know, you can't get to the head if you, if they have all their faculties, you know, everything, everything to their disposal because they can kick, if they're in the guard, they can kick you away, you know, so you got to pass the guard and start, you know, um, start looking for side control and then ground the pound from side control and then, and then when they, when they try to get a guard and they settle for half guard, that's even worse for them. So, you know, so that's, that's where I like to go. You know, I like to, I like to, um, you know, have that system on top. And I developed that through all the training partners I had at range. Yeah, you had a lot of success with it. Like even Ryan Johnson, he tapped to strike. And most of the yeah. strike, they were to the body, to the rib cage, which yep. opened then the end. Like, it's like in striking. So uh, this understanding of going to the body, the legs and the head, I was wondering how much um, working with Rafael Cordero helped you also later in your career? Yes, um, I, I trained with Kings and Rafael Cordero was a great coach of mine. He, uh, he taught me um, his style of striking and, um, you know, and then, and then I was open to a lot of other training partners with Kings, you know, um, with Fabricio Verdum, Lyoto and, and um, uh, Shogun. Um, you know, there was, there was a lot of guys over there that I was able to train with, you know, that helped me get a lot better too. Yeah, one of the the most uh, signature move of your career is the over over and right to pass the guard to land in side control. Yeah, which is something that Shogun used to do, but with his stomp kicks, is it something that you learned from him a little bit? Um, you know, with Shogun, um, it was we were we were sparring partners, but at the same time, we didn't we didn't show technique on each other. It was all it was all uh, master. Master Rafael showing us the technique. So really, he was a he was a sparring partner, and and um, I taught him a lot. I taught him I taught him wrestling stuff, you know. So I was coaching him, and uh, he didn't necessarily coach me um, too much. But uh, but yeah, I mean, um, there was there was stuff that that he would do that I would be like, okay, maybe I should do it like that, and um, you know. Um, There was a time where where I was on top of him and and doing my ground and pound, and um, he would like do his jujitsu like he would do a omoplata and you know and get out of a lot of things you know. So I learned a lot of things from him just by going with him because he was unbelievable. I mean he's he's uh, an ex champion man. I mean he's I mean the best that they come you know as yeah. a training partner. So um, so yeah. Um, I respect him, and he's a good friend of mine. You know, earlier you mentioned that as you started wrestling at like 13 years old, you had to catch up the years that you didn't train to get on the same level as your competitors. Yeah. And in MMA, as you start maybe at like 29? I started 28? 29. Yeah, 29. So you had to catch up again with the <laughs> jiu-jitsu, the striking. And did you feel that experience to learned even wrestling a bit late help you learn quickly other methods yeah so um i i started late 
and then thank goodness for Uriah Faber and Ultimate Fitness, uh, Team Alpha Male over there in Sacramento, because Uriah was the one that got me out. Um, we had a good base of uh, people there that I was able to learn from. And uh, Uriah is just, he's a brother from another mother, man. I love that guy. Um, he's <laughs> hes a guy that's, um, that I always, I always uh, will, will, I mean, cherish as a friend. He's a great, great friend. Um, so um, he, he is the one that brought me out. And so um, I learned my base from, from him and, and the coaches he had on staff and then over at Fairtex. And then when I moved down to Southern California, I had, you know, a lot of people here um, that helped me out as well. Um, there was, you know, Rafael Cordero. There was uh, Abel Nunez. There was Billy Scheibe. There was, um, I was a part of a lot of different gyms around here because I was trying to get the best training out here when I just moved out here. So, I mean, I would go to um, Body Shop with um, Antonio McKee. Um, I'd go to Black House, um, yeah. with all the Black House guys with Anderson Silva, the Nogueira brothers, uh, Junior Dos Santos, Rafael Dos Anjos, Leo Machida, like all those guys I was going with. And then I was going to the compound over in San Diego with Jason Lambert and, um, you know, um, a lot of different guys there. And I was going to Alliance with like Brandon Vera and, um, and, uh, you know, Alex, Alex, um, the mauler, um, you know, I was going with, uh, um, you know, all the guys over there, you know, so you know, there's a lot of different gyms I was a part of. And then, um, uh, I was locally here around Orange County. I was training at a gym called Joker's Joker's Wild Fighting Academy where I met Mike Guyman and Mike Guyman had a school there and, and, um, it was local. So it was close for me. So I ended up training there as well. And, he ended up uh, welcome, welcoming me, and then we ended up opening a gym called Rain, and um, you know, uh, with our partner Andre Julian, and then uh, we ended up opening that place up. And so, uh, yeah, that was a, f a quick kind of way of for me to be able to like um, talk about my development through through um, MMA, but I always had my wrestling. <laughs> Always yes. have my wrestling and, and to fall back on and, and I was teaching everybody wrestling as I was as I was learning all of the stuff um, of of MMA, you know. Yeah, of course having all those different looks from all the good gym that there is in California, does it make made you even like for example training with Fabricio Verdum made you like feel comfortable going to the Guan with like a, a Damian Maya, for example? Yes. And so he was a big part of my training um as far as going with damien because he knows damien well too you know and so I was yeah. kings and um you know i was going with fabricio and i you know i was going really well with fabricio you know i was teaching him wrestling and and he was he was going with me and i was learning a lot a lot of jujitsu from him as far as mma is concerned you know from an mma standpoint so um so yeah so anytime i go with fabricio i mean he I mean, he's a wizard on the mat. I mean, he is, he is amazing, you know? And so um, I learned how to do a lot of things from Fabricio for sure. I love that guy. Yeah, because you even, you even went to a dash choke against Maya. So I was wondering how confident you had to, to be to, to do that. 
Man, I, my Darces. People don't know about my Darces, man. I got a lot of Darce. I, I used to call myself Darth Vader in uh, in practice, you know. So, <laughs> so I was like, hey, man, be careful, man. You know, um, I got Darces, but people know. I mean, people know here that I have Darces. So, I wanted to choke Damian Maya out, you know, and make a statement, you know. Yeah, and that's the attitude. Yeah. Yeah, I I I had it though, and then you know he's the thing is. He's the best that they come in jujitsu, you know. So, um, so he knew he knew the defense to that, and he he went straight towards my legs instead of circling towards my head. So, so he um, he's great. He's um, he was good, and but I had him gurgling, I had him <laughs> I had him doing that, you know. Uh, but he ended up getting out. So uh, people you- told people told me don't take him down, but I'm like, no, I'm gonna take him down, you know. So I took him down a lot in that fight. Um, yeah. I went from striking to takedowns, and and I would do different takedowns to him. I do I do my double leg. I do my you know high crotch run the pipe. I would do a lot of stuff to him in that fight, and it was a fight of transitions, man. I mean, he clipped me one time. He clipped me one early, time. Early, yeah, head. yeah, and I and I kind of lost my footing a little bit. I was like, whoa, um, that's crazy, you know. <laughs> he he caught me in the back of my head, but uh, I ended up coming. End up, I'm mean, end up recovering and getting a lot better and taking them down again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was definitely one one number two and number three were for you. But would you say that you were surprised that how good his striking was actually in one number one? Yeah, I, I mean, I I thought he was just gonna try to get me to the ground as much as he could, you know, like shoot shoot in, and then pull guard. You know, I thought that was I thought that was that that's what he was gonna do, but. But he didn't do that. He would shoot in, and then um, and then follow a strike. You know, I was like, "Ooh, he's got a different game plan." You know, so it was uh, it was a lot different than what I thought. But you know, I was prepared with all the training partners I had, and I was yeah. prepared to go wherever so, wherever it went. Something that impressed me. I watched the fight again today. Something that impressed me was that often Maya he gets people on the ground like he shoot a double leg. And just stay and get to half guard and then get people from half guard. But you actually, you you locked his ankle every time. So I figure that's something you get with the Verdum, that stuff that you put training with guys like him. Yes, yes. Um, because Verdum is the same way. If you go into their guard, oh, dude, you're done. <laughs> you're done. That's their yeah. that's their web, man. And you're, you're, you're a moth flying into a, a spider web. Like, you can't do that. You know, and so um, I wouldn't fully engage their guard. I would take them down and I would stand over the top of them. And that's where I feel that I'm best at there, you know, and being able to use their ankles to pass their guard into punches, into strikes. Um, that's that was a series I was using, you know, um, to uh, to be able to um, fight against Damien. And uh, so you had like a crazy good career, a very inspiring career. I would like just to to talk next with what I feel is the most inspiring thing you did is after the the loss to Whiteman, you had like a foot injury that kept you out of training for a long time and you gained some weight and you had to go back to 185. Yeah. And can you talk about your training, your fight camp? You have to be a long fight camp to come back from the foot injury to making 185 and being in like maybe the best shape of your career yeah so um that that was 
Yeah, it was difficult. It was hard. You know, I mean, um, I gained a lot of weight and um, I'm not a guy that goes out and parties. I'm not because um, I have a family. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do any of that stuff. But when it comes to food, <laughs> I like to celebrate with food, man. You know, so, um, you know, and and that's what happened is I I wasn't fighting, but I was eating a lot and I wasn't training and I gained a lot of weight. Um, but naturally I was, I was walking around at 230, at 240, going down to 185, you know? So I was wow. cutting a lot of weight already. You know, if I knew I had a fight coming up, um, soon, I'd be 215, you know, um, walking around at 215, but I, I, I shot up to 245, you know, and, um, you know, I had to lose all that weight. You know, I, I even shot up to 255, 265, you know, afterwards, you know. So um, I lost a lot of weight for that fight, but I did it well. And in my, my strength conditioning, um, I worked with Sam Calavita, who was uh, with the yeah. training lab. I also worked with um, uh, Todd Norman, who was my trainer as well. And he helped me tremendously, too. So... Those two guys helped me tremendously. Um, I was training with uh, with Todd Norman, and he was he took before and after pictures. I mean, you could look it up, and he hashtagged the picture uh, hashtag obese to beast. Um, he actually hashtagged that hashtag, and you can look it up there. And and, and um, Todd took before and after pictures of me, and and did a weigh in, did measurements, and all that stuff before and after. And and um, yeah, I was in I was in the best shape of my life. I mean, it took five, took me five and a half months to lose uh, about, you know, 75, 80 pounds. Um, but it was, it was, it was a grind, man. I remember in the beginning, it was like, hard for me to do anything. By the end of camp, I had a 20 pound weight vest that was strapped so tight I couldn't breathe doing the same things I was doing in the beginning, you know? So, um, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was great, man. It was, uh, you can look it up. I mean, everything is documented on YouTube um, of, of some of my workouts there. You know, because like a fight camp is tough enough at first, but now getting back in shape and also working the skills at the same time, did you start more by dropping some weight and then working the skills of like, like a regular fight camp? So um, I did it. I did it kind of at the same time because you know, I was training because I had my gym and so I was training anyways oh, yeah. um, but I was making sure I was putting in getting in my strength conditioning with Todd I was doing my I was doing my um, I was doing my uh, my fasting cardio in the morning I was intermittent fasting I was making sure I was on a diet um, I ended up getting on a uh, food service called Sunfair um, shout out to Carl Farrell, Carl Farrell. He uh, helped me out with over at Sunfair. I was getting meals delivered to me, so I didn't have to worry about making meals. Um, so I was, you know, eating great and, um, and losing weight at the same time because there was a time where I kept on my, um, my heart rate monitor and it tracked um, all the calories I was burning throughout the day. And there was times where I'd burn 8,000 calories in one day, you know? Oh. So... Um, and that's, and that, I mean, that right there. And, and, um, and I was eating 1500 calories for sunfair. Okay. You know? So that, that, 
deficiency that I had was just the weight was just falling off, you know. So um, yeah, to. yeah. So that's 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 what I did, and I had to be disciplined. I had to be dedicated. I had to be uh, diligent and all of that stuff. And you know, something that I love even more than what you did is that. So you won that fight against Tim Butch. It's a great fight, by the way, for people who listen. If you haven't catch the fight, it's great back and forth. Very good fight. Tim Butch was a great, great fighter too. Yep. And uh, you took on the mic, and the first thing you say, which is awesome, is that you said that as you did it, everybody can do it. Like it's yeah. something you could say, I'm the best at it, but no, you wanted to share the fact that everybody has some struggle and everybody can can work for it. And I think that's part of why people love you so much also. And oh, it's because yeah. you're always trying to impact life in a positive way. That's what you said during your retirement speech, actually. Yeah. And we're only five days, today is May 11, we record this. We're only four or five days short of your fifth year's retirement anniversary. Yeah. Can you talk about that last night in Manila, in the Philippines, uh, fighting Luke Barnett? Um, I guess it must have been an emotional night for you. Oh, yeah. It was very emotional. Um, so that's, it happened, the, the last fight, um, happened to be my son's eighth grade year and he wanted to focus on wrestling that year you know so um that was that was a time i wanted to like focus on my family and uh it was time it was time for me to retire you know when my son said i want you to coach me and i want to join wrestling i want you to coach me and i'm like oh man and uh that just that right there just you know that kind of said that that was the straw that broke the camel's back, right? I, I, I was, I announced my retirement after that. And, um, you know, and so it was, it happened to be in the Philippines. And in the Philippines, that's, that's where everything started for me. My parents are from the Philippines. I'm full-blooded Filipino. And um, there's over seven generations of my family still there. Seven. Wow. Seven. Isn't that crazy? So, yes, it is. Um, you know, so, I mean, there's like, I'm like a great, 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 great uncle, you know? It's like crazy. Um, but anyways, um, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I had over 300 people that were my family that was in one spot, you know? And they were coming up to me, calling me Lolo. And I'm like, Lolo means grandfather in Tagalog, oh. is the native language in, in the Philippines. And I'm like, wait, I'm a Lolo. Wait, who's your parents? Who's their parents? You know, I'm like, how, how am I a Lolo? You know, so, um, it was, it was uh, overwhelming, but it was just overwhelming with love and support that I had from the Filipino community. So um, as I was walking around there, there was like, People coming up to me and wanting to take pictures. It was like every five steps I couldn't walk. You know, it was it was it was awesome the support I had there, and so it was emotional. You know, when after I got um, John Anik gave me the mic, they never relinquished the mic. You know, <laughs> he gave me the mic, and I wasn't prepared. I didn't have a speech prepared. You know, and so I just spoke from my heart. You know, and and um, I greeted uh, the Filipino people in Tagalog, which is the native language there, and. And then, um, you know, I was after I spoke in Tagalog, then, then um, he asked me questions. I answered the questions, and then 
was it was just um, it was amazing it was an amazing time. Um, I, I I loved it and I'll always cherish it. I had to thank the UFC and Dana White and Lorenzo for everything, um, for trusting me and in, in, um, being a UFC fighter and and representing the brand. So, um, so yeah, it was great. It was it was an amazing amazing time for sure. Yeah, on a on a personal level, uh, I heard that speech maybe on the times because it's something that I find very inspiring. And to to be honest, now that you're here. It's a speech that I listened a lot when I struggle with stuff. So I want to thank you for this. It's something yeah. that just put, you know, like when I feel down, I listen to it. I just want to go for a run. So I, I thank you for this. And uh, I want to ask my last question about this. Is that how proud are you that people recognize you for your great career in college wrestling, wrestling, MMA, but also for the fact that how you carry yourself as a champion and a generous champion all your life and work with like the anti-bullying uh charity stuff like this or is it important for you almost not just to be known as a winner but someone who's grateful and just try to help people uh thank you man thank you for your kind words yeah that's um that's what i feel that i've um that i'm here to do i feel that's that's my mission is to use my talents gifts and abilities to impact people in a positive way and And, um, you know, from being a man of faith and having my family and my friends, so the three F's of, for my life are faith, family, and friends, to be able to impact from around in a positive way. That's, that's, that's what I feel like I, my mission is to do in life, you know. And, and um, I still have my wrestling club where over 250 kids are a part of that I'm able to do that every day. I have fighters over at the training lab that I coach um, that I'm able to impact Um, and and be a part of their career, um, uh, you know, and so I'm able to do that. And, and um, you know, I have my anti-bullying campaign because in my life, I've, I've had a lot of experiences, right? And so your life experience has shaped and molded into who you are and who you become. Never thought about me being bullied, how it, how it, it would help me impact people, you know? So I'm able to talk about my my life about being bullied and rise above it and helping others get through it as well. So um, that's what I'm here for, you know. And um, I'm here to be able to um, to impact people and help people in, in whatever they they have similar experiences with 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 them going on in their life that I did have have happened in my life too. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mark, for joining us. For my part, uh, that's all I had to ask. I don't want to take too much of your time. Ed, do you want to say something before we, we stop? Yeah, just that this was amazing and that you were <laughs> an excellent guest. And uh, it's it's so cool that uh, I think, like, beyond everything else you said, uh, just in terms of, like, impact on the sport, uh, one, you know, it's just your technical development and ground and pound, the way you wrestled, the way you did everything. Um But also just uh, the way you carried yourself, like Philippe said, that you prove you can be a gentleman and still be very successful and, and do well financially in the sport um, as long as you're performing the cage and, and doing the right things otherwise. So it's a great lesson. I think there's a ton of great lessons to learn here for someone, you know, in the middle of their career, beginning their career, starting wrestling, not wrestler, whatever. So yeah. something to learn from everyone. And, and we love to learn here at the fight site. So that makes you uh, the perfect guest. I, I really appreciated this. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your time, man. Really mm -hmm. appreciate it. Thank you. Do you have anything to, like, shout out, plug? You know, where can people find you? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you want to follow me, I'm on Instagram, uh, you know, and Twitter at 
at uh, at Mark underscore Munoz. Um, mm-hmm. You can follow me on Facebook on my fan page there too, and um, at Mark Munoz MMA. Um, and uh, you know, for those of you that um, are wrestlers, you could uh, you know look up the West Coast Wrestling Camp if you're in the California area, or you know, um, or you could go to the Wrestling Room, um, thewrestlingroom.com. And uh, you could go there to learn some wrestling techniques from me uh, on there as well. So, um, so yeah, you can find me at all those different places. Um, and I usually try to get back to people as much as I can. So if, if I don't get back to you, just keep, keep writing and I'll get back to you eventually. So I, I will, I promise. But, um, but yeah, those are, those are, um, that's how you can get hold of me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And everyone who, who listens to my podcast, if you, if you do that, uh, if you're like looking for somebody to, to study or to learn from in terms of how you can, you know, get wrestling to work in MMA, definitely watch Mark Munoz, talk to Mark Munoz, and he clearly has the mind for it. Uh, cool. Philippe, do you have any uh, parting parting thoughts? No, just saying thank you, Mark, so much for the time. It was, was an honor to speak to you. Maybe we can speak sometime else. Yeah. That would be for, awesome. For sure. Lots Let more to know. talk about. Love, love to talk to you. Love to cool. Talk to you. Thank you so much. All yeah. right. Peace out. Thanks. Have a great week. You too.